0: Welcome, friends. Welcome to the well. How are you guys doing tonight? I am glad that you guys are doing well because I am excited to be here tonight as well. Uh, if you have never been to the well before, welcome. We are so glad that you are here. And we want you to know that even though this is kind of full in here, there is room for you and there's room for your friends and there's room for... Your friends friends, so keep bringing people if you want to bring more people. My name is ben i 'm on staff with Campus Ministry, and now you know who 's talking at you for a few minutes. Okay, so last week we began a new series studying the book of Acts. Anybody remember this? Anybody here last week? they remember this? Okay Good job. Uh, okay, so we started be- uh, studying the book of Acts together uh, last week because last semester. We were studying the book of Luke together, and as we talked about last week, the book of Acts is actually the sequel to the book of Luke. So we're kind of continuing the story, if you will. And last week, we kind of ended, uh, we looked at how the book of Luke ends with the, the resurrection of Jesus, kind of explains the why of why there's an Acts, why there's a sequel, We talked about the what, what Jesus kind of gave his disciples as an assignment. He said, you are to be my witnesses. You're to be my witnesses wherever you go. And then he concludes in Acts chapter, well not concludes, but in Acts chapter 1, before he pieces out and ascends to heaven, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this is kind of what we talked about last week And I'm pretty excited to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight, um, because the story continues, okay? Uh, This is one of my favorite stories for a couple of reasons. One, I think the story we look at tonight shows how awesome God is. So I think that's really cool, okay? Number two, I really love this story tonight because I think this story tells us that we are not mere spectators, but we get to participate in the things that this awesome God is doing. So that's pretty fun. So we're going to kind of talk about that tonight. Um, the people of the Bible loved holidays. They loved feasts. They loved festivals. They had a bunch of them that were kind of scattered throughout the year. Similar to our our calendar, if you will. Okay, so we have Thanksgiving, and Christmas, and New Year's, and Martin Luther King Day, and the very important Valentine's Day that's coming up, okay? So similarly, they have a bunch of feasts and festivals that are kind of rolling in their calendar as well. There were three that were the most important holidays, and God gave very clear instructions on what they were supposed to be doing on these three holidays, Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Weeks, or in Hebrew, Shavuot. Say Shavuot. 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 For Passover, Tabernacles, and the Feast of Weeks, God said to all of his people, this, these holidays are to be celebrated in Jerusalem. So no matter where you live, three times a year, everybody from all over the world go to Jerusalem for these three festivals, these three holidays. It was a party, okay? So sort of like a really big homecoming thing, but like on a really big scale. Or maybe game day in Ann Arbor for a football game, like the whole city is like transformed because all these people from all over the state kind of descend in this one city. Sort of similarly, except people are coming from all over the world for this Festival. So, the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, I will say Feast of Weeks sometimes, and I will say Shavuot sometimes. It's the same thing, so don't be too confused. Hang with me. You guys are doing all right. Um, Shavuot took place in the spring. It was 50 years after Passover. It was an agricultural holiday. So they had just harvested all their wheat fields, and they were saying... Thanks be to God that we have food to eat for the next year. And part of that celebration, what they would do is they would go make fresh bread with the new wheat that they just chopped down, and they would present two loaves of bread to the Lord as an offering, as a way to say thank you for being a God who provided what we need for the next season, okay? So... The Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, was initially an agricultural holiday. It was also traditionally the day that God gave his Torah, his instructions, his word, to Moses on Mount Sinai. Okay? Now, it doesn't say this explicitly in the Bible that the Feast of Weeks was the day when God gave Torah on Mount Sinai. But we do know that it did happen in the same month. And we also have an ancient source from about the time of the Bible that says that it took place on this day. Okay? So the Feast of Weeks an Agricultural Holiday, God also gave his Torah on Sinai to Moses. We do know that the Bible teaches that man does not live by bread alone, but by the very word that comes from the mouth of God. So I think that's a cool connection. If that's really true, if, if God giving his Torah, his word, his instruction to Moses on Sinai took place on the Feast of Weeks, I think that's a cool connection. And how many tablets were there? Two tablets. Two tablets on the day that they're supposed to offer two loaves of bread as a Thanksgiving offering to God. I think that's kind of a neat thing as well. We're going to keep going. Okay, Uh, today, instead of it being an agricultural holiday, because of this tradition of God giving Torah on Sinai on this day, the rabbis in Jerusalem, they literally, as a way to say thanks be to God for the words in this book, they pull an all-nighter reading and studying the words of this book. And then at dawn, they all come together and they meet at the temple or in their synagogue and they have a big party. It's pretty cool. I don't know about you, but I've pulled a few all-nighters when I was in college because I had to, because I made poor life choices the week or the months prior to, right? Not because I wanted to read this book. Just something to think about, okay? Okay, so... On this feast, at this festival, people come from all over the world to Jerusalem, and they have this, the typical sacrifice and morning worship services that kind of began right away in the morning at like 9 o'clock. After some of the initial stuff was done, they moved on into kind of reading uh, some of the special passages of scripture as a way to remind them of the story that they get to be part of. So all these people would gather and they would read portions of Scripture. Uh, A few of them include the story of God giving uh, Moses the Torah on Sinai in Exodus 19 and 20. And also includes Ezekiel's vision. And also includes the book of Ruth because it's kind of an agricultural thing. We're going to focus specifically on Exodus 19 and Ezekiel 1. Now I want you to listen to the following and I want you to tell me, what do you hear, what do you see, and what do you feel? Okay, you got you to use your senses a little bit and kind of put yourself in the story. I'm going to read this, a section from Exodus 19. What do you hear, what do you see, and what do you feel? On the morning of the third day, there were thunders. And the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. Okay, now quick verse from Ezekiel chapter 1. Again, what do you hear, see, or feel? As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually. And in the midst of the fire, As it were gleaming metal. Okay, some of you are like, I have no idea what's going on anymore. Hang with me, okay? So answer the first question for me. What do you, from both of those passages, what do you hear? Somebody hears thunder. Anything else somebody hears? What was that? A trumpet. Very good. Okay, so what do you hear? Thunder. The Hebrew word is kolot. Say kolot. All right, we'll go to the next one. What do you see? What? You see clouds, smoke, what's that? Lightning, was it up there already? All right, that's sweet. That's sweet. Okay, so go to the next slide. The Hebrew word is barak. Say barak. Barak means lightning. There you go. Okay, what do you feel? Wind. Wind. Okay, the Hebrew word is. Next slide. Ruach. Okay, say Ruach. Ruach Ruach means wind. Okay, so you hear Kolot, you see Barak, and you feel Ruach. Ruach. This is Shavuot. This is the Feast of Weeks. This is how they celebrated it. Um, in ancient times there is one time in the new testament where the feast of weeks or shavuot is celebrated it is known as pentecost and we call it pentecost because it's the new testament is written in greek and it literally means the 50th day The word Pentecost literally means the 50th day. So 50 days after Passover is Pentecost. It's the Feast of Weeks. It's Shavuot. Remember, this is one of the three days of the year that people were supposed to come from all over the world to celebrate this feast or this festival. Jesus died on Passover. Three days later, he rose again. And then he appeared to his disciples and other people for the next 40 days. And then he ascends into heaven. And then he, just before he ascended, he said, stay in Jerusalem and wait. I've got a gift for you. I've got a little surprise for you. And so they stay in Jerusalem. And of course they stayed in Jerusalem. Why would they leave Jerusalem when the Feast of Pentecost is right around the corner? So, this uh, is what happened next. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and the holy and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now there were dwelling in jerusalem jews devout men from every nation under heaven And at this sound, the multitude came together, bewildered, because each one was hearing them in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we, each of us, hear in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and astonished and began to say to one another, what does this mean? Others were mocking them saying, they have had too much wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice. And address them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And on the last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, I will pour out my spirit. And they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, first of all, uh, that's in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. In case you have a Bible and you want to look there, we're going to look at a a few things together from this passage. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. First of all, where are they? They're in Jerusalem, anywhere specifically. Somebody said something back there. They're in a house. Somebody else said something up here. Somebody said temple, okay? One, welcome. This is one of the three times a year God says, go to Jerusalem to worship me, okay? In Acts chapter 1, it refers to them being in a a different kind of a house in an upper room somewhere, okay? In Acts chapter 2, it says that the... The the wind came and it filled the house where they were sitting. What house? The big house? Maybe not the big house in Ann Arbor, maybe this big house. God's house. In Acts chapter 7, Luke, who wrote Acts, actually refers to the house as God's dwelling place. Maybe you don't like that. That's fine. But if you've ever sat in a first-century home, I want to know who might have a big enough house to have all of these people having a party in their upper room somewhere. It's possible, maybe. But I think this is more likely the place where this story takes place. And I think this is significant for a reason we'll get to in just a moment. Secondly... In this story in Acts chapter 2, what did you hear? You heard thunder, okay? Anybody else? All languages being spoken. All languages being spoken. Go to the next slide. What do you hear? The, the Hebrew word kolot can be translated as thunder or it can be translated as voices. What did you see? Fire. Saw fire, okay? The Hebrew word barak, lightning, or fire. And every single time the word barak is used in the Old Testament, which is 14 times, every single time it refers to God's presence. The same in the New Testament. Fire often, I can't say every time in the New Testament, but often it refers to the presence of God. You know the story of Moses in the burning bush, right? God's presence was dwelling in that place. What do you feel? Wind. Say ruach. Look at that. Ruach can mean either wind or spirit. So if you are sitting in Jerusalem celebrating Shavuot, celebrating the Feast of Weeks, you just get down to the morning sacrifice and worship, and now they're reading this, these passages from Exodus chapter 19 and Ezekiel chapter 1, And they hear, or they're reading about thunder and lightning and wind. And all of a sudden this story takes place. And they hear voices. And they see fire. And they know that this wind is the spirit of the Lord. Anybody else think this is awesome? I think God is really cool in this story here, okay? Okay. What does this mean regarding our story in Acts chapter 2? Tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. God's presence, God's dwelling was literally in the temple of Jerusalem for years and years and years. This was his house. And everybody from all over the world needed to go to his house in order to really have this intense encounter with the living God because this was his house. This was his presence. This is where he dwelled. And then, on this day, people from all over the globe come to Jerusalem. His spirit falls down, and there's tongues of fire that are divided and rest on each one of them. What does fire represent? God's presence. So now God's presence is no longer stuck in his house. God changes his address. And now these little pieces of fire are now dwelling among his people. What does this mean? God's presence Dwelling in and around and through his people. God changes his address. He's no longer, I don't want to say stuck, because that's a really sweet place. Think about this. We are now God's presence. we now have this same kind of spirit that was dwelling in them can live inside of you and in me. And now we get to be God's presence. We get to be God's representatives. Wherever we go. So that the whole world can know the kind of God that we serve. Speaking of the whole world, On Pentecost, who was represented and where did they come from? It says from every nation. And then there's a few verses in Acts 2 that show where they came from. Okay? I hope your eyes are really good because that's a really great map. But if you can't see that, you can see that people are coming literally from all over the world for this festival. How does that strike you? I mean, think about the commitment that it takes to go. Visitors from Rome, the text says. That's like a month-long journey on a boat to get to Jerusalem for this festival. But think about this. The very event that God was going to use to have his spirit come down and have his people be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, he already has the ends of the earth coming to Jerusalem first. So that when they go back home, they're going back home to the ends of the earth where they just came from. What a great plan. I mean, okay, seriously? This is one of the primary reasons why Stacy and I love our jobs doing college campus ministry. There are people that are coming from all over the globe to study at colleges and universities in the United States. Anybody have any idea how many international students are studying in the United States, studied in the United States last year? All right, here's a number for you. 974,926 international students came to the United States to study in American universities and colleges. And we love that. This is a prime opportunity to go to the ends of the earth when the ends of the earth are already coming here. Okay, let's talk a little bit more specifically about Grand Valley. Go to the next slide. There are students from every county in the state of Michigan studying at Grand Valley this year. And there are almost 1,500 students from other states. And there are 434 uh, students from other countries, about 83 other countries, that are studying at Grand Valley State University this year year. we got a few of them in the house, and we're so glad that they're here. We know that Abdi is here from Mexico, and Ayub, where's Ayub? Ayub's in the back over here, and I'm missing somebody else. I don't know. Uh, Joel, Joel, is Joel here? Yeah, Joel, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to embarrass you guys, but just know that we love you, okay? So, College is like a four-year party, basically, is what I'm reading here. Right? So people are coming from the ends of the earth to American colleges and universities, and we have this opportunity to pray and to worship and to ask for God to pour out his spirit at this time in this place so that we can be God's presence, God's representatives To the ends of the earth, right outside the door. Then, when you graduate, yes, that day will come. When you graduate, you will have an opportunity to be God's presence, to be His witness. To the ends of the earth, no matter where you go, whether you're in Grand Rapids, or South Dakota, or Washington, or Malawi, or Malaysia, or Uganda, or Iceland, or wherever you go. God's presence goes with you, and we have the opportunity to be his witnesses. Disguised. As teachers, or doctors, or nurses, or accountants, God bless you. (laughs) Or managers, or pastors, or police officers. This is our opportunity. This is our calling. This is what we get to participate in. We get to be his witnesses doing these things wherever God calls you. The story continues after Peter's sermon, verse 37. It says this Now, when these people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized souls. 3,000 souls. Why 3,000? Is that a significant number? I mean, I think it's a significant number because it seems like there's a lot of people. But I also find it interesting, shortly after God gives his Torah on Sinai, God's people were foolish. and They made poor life choices. And 3,000 people were killed. And now, on this, on this day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were given new life. New life. And they're baptized. Where are you going to baptize 3,000 people? Especially if you're in some upper room of somebody's house. That's a long line. Right? Uh, in the temple area, especially to the south, there were these things called ritual baths or mikveh in Hebrew. And literally before you would enter into the temple to worship, you would descend down these steps into this pool of water. And you would immerse yourself and bathe yourself and cleanse yourself. And then you would exit out of those baths into worship to the temple. They have found many, many, many of those ritual baths and uh, archaeologists have found those around the temple area. I think this has to be one of those places where these people were baptized, in Jerusalem, near the temple. One final thing. There's a final connection of this Pentecost in Acts 2 with the Old Testament Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot. It involves caring for the poor. In Leviticus, when God gives instructions on the Feast of Weeks, he tells people, as you are harvesting the wheat, do not cut the corners of your fields, but leave the corners, leave the four corners for the people that are in need around you. Leave them for the poor so that they can come when you're done and they can harvest some of that wheat as well in dignity and have what they need to survive for the next year as well. So if there's an element of caring for the poor and caring for people who are in need in the Old Testament Feast of Weeks, do you think there might be an element of that in the New Testament one as well? Yes. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles' These verses are what Christian community looks like. This is what the church is supposed to look like. And this is actually how it began. So it seems like this should be the first model. Right? People who devoted themselves to the teachings of this book. People who devoted themselves to, to fellowship, to rich community, who said, hey, Yeah, you're included. Come join us. We're glad to have you. We're not going to be clicky. The apostles' teaching to these, te- these teachings rich fellowship, community. They broke bread together, they prayed together. And they shared what they had with the people around them. And weren't really worried about you owe me a dollar for whatever. They just wanted everybody to be included. They didn't want anybody to miss out. So they generously shared what they had with the people around them. So, as the new representatives of God's presence this is what they did this is how they lived out that love this is how they lived out that grace because they wanted the world to know this is the kind of god we know and we love a community of grace and so tonight, one of the things we want to do is we want to come together as a community to this table of grace. We want to be this kind of community who does these things in Acts chapter 2, and that includes breaking bread together. And so uh, we're going to have Scott and the music team come up, and they're going to lead us into this time of, uh, of communion together. But tonight, before we encounter the ends of the earth right outside these doors, let's remember the opportunities we have to be God's representatives and God's presence. Amen.